I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 15 to 23. And I'm really pleased that the words are on the screen because when I get it wrong, you can read them right. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and in his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills, fulfills everything in every way. Wow. Wow. What a passage for Dan to preach on this morning. Dan, I am so excited. Thank you. Indeed, Sam. I'm really excited, actually. Really excited. Oh, thanks. That's very kind of you, Andrew. Very kind indeed. So we heard Patrick's sketch, uh, or saw Patrick's sketch earlier, of a man who just thought, who am I? I want to be someone else. And the question we might well ask ourselves sometimes is, well, who, who am I really? And, and the important thing to declare is not so much who I think I am, but who God says I am. Who do you think you are? Uh, <clears throat> who, who does God think I am? And as we look at Ephesians, we're exploring exactly that. What God declares about us. And what I want to say today is you are powerful. You are powerful. Um, the way I've phrased that on the, for the title, not up there, but <coughs> power hyphen F-U-L-L. You are full of power. Now, you might think, hang on a minute, <coughs> that sounds wrong. God is powerful, but I'm not. <coughs> but I'm intentionally saying you are powerful. Now, <coughs> perhaps as we talk about power, you might feel a little bit apprehensive. Because uh, we've prayed for 
Putin and we see in our world today many misuses of power. Um, we see people abusing it left, right and centre. Sadly in the church we've often seen people misuse power. And in the wrong hands it's appalling. Just, I mean, weapons of war are terrible but when you see uh, a rifle in the hands of a child it's just awful. Um, so power mishandled is, is definitely something to be avoided. It was, I think it was Lord Acton who said, uh, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. It can happen, can't it? I heard, and I might have got this wrong, but I heard, <clears throat> just a snippet on the radio, how Putin, 20 odd years ago, um, people in Europe were like, yeah, we like this guy, <clears throat> because he sounded much more reasonable. But over time, he's been in power so long. Obviously, his narrative has changed. So power is something to be careful of. But then yet, there is a very different kind of power that we're talking about this morning. And it's the power of God. When your phone is running low on battery, what do you do? Plug, you power it up, you plug it in. You charge it up. You need power for your phone. Um, Tanya, my wife, and, and my daughter came back from Zumba the other day, and uh, they'd been doing it in the playground at Pembroke Primary School. And they took this photo of a hot air balloon that almost landed. Did anyone see that? It was a, two or three weeks ago, I think, or something. Almost landed in Pembury, and you could see the people in there waving. But how did that hot air balloon get up there? Hot air. <laughs> yeah. Some of us know all about hot air. We're full of it. But, um, <laughs> now, you know, it's the power of that hot air and, you know, the wind. I don't know. Anyway, power is necessary. Power is in the right hands and in the right places, essential and useful. Well, this is a prayer that Paul prays for power. He hears about them, he says, oh, when, ever since I've heard about you, I've been really thanking God for you. It's great, isn't it? When you hear about someone and they've got faith, when you maybe saw someone 20, 30 years ago and then you meet them again and they're still going on with God, yes, isn't that fantastic? You know, sometimes people, oh, well, I, I kind of sold that old church. Well, that was when I was young, you know, drifted away. But when people are still going on in their faith. And, and he says, well, I, I've, I've heard about your, your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. Two go together, don't they? You know, sometimes when I've, I've met people with faith, but they're not, they don't love people. So, ooh, it's not very nice. Good combination is when people have faith and then they love people as well. Faith in the Lord Jesus and love for all God's people. Uh, and he says, I've not stopped giving thanks for you. I keep on praying this. I've not stopped remembering you in my prayers. And then he says, I keep asking. Now, when Paul prays in the New Testament, I want to know what he's praying. Don't you? Because... It seems to me that when there's a prayer in the Bible, and especially like the Apostle Paul praying, I think, okay, that's got to be a good prayer. That's got to be a good prayer to pray for someone. Do you ever think, I, I don't know what to pray for so-and-so. Lord, bless so-and-so. 
Uh, and I, I th God's amazing. He's an amazing interpreter because he interprets my rubbish prayers and they somehow become, okay, this is why. <laughs> you know what I mean, Lord. Well, Paul is incredibly articulate. And I wonder, well, what is your prayer? Paul is not praying for an individual. He's not praying for Timothy. He's not praying for Titus. Not what, you know, he's not his spiritual sons in the faith. He's praying for just a church, normal church. Guess what? Like this one. And what does he pray? He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, not just individuals, but the whole church, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, they've already received the Holy Spirit. And so the spirit of wisdom and revelation is from the Holy Spirit. Notice he says, I keep on asking find that very, very interesting. There's a place for persevering in prayer. Because prayer is a spiritual battle and we need to keep on praying. Jesus commends that, doesn't he? I keep on asking that you may receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Great. <clears throat> now, what is wisdom? What is revelation? And what is the point of it? Well, Paul's point of it here is so that you may know God. So that you may know him better. Wisdom is knowing God. Revelation is knowing God better. It's all about relationship. The word know, that you may know God, is not know about God, but actually know God. Now, I could say to you, do you know Cambasans? Does anyone know Cambasans? Now, you might say to me, yes, I know all about Camber Sands. I've read about it on Wikipedia. I know how long the beach is. I know that uh, it's very, you know, when the tide's out, it's a long way to get to the sea. And I know that, um, you know, you've got to, you could get caught out by the tide coming in. I know where it is. I know how many people go there. I know what the parking's like. Say, yes, but have you ever been? <coughs> oh, I've never been. Well, then you don't know it then, do you? <laughs> Have you ever actually been to the beach and felt the sand under your, your bare feet? Have you ever been down there and got caught out by the tide? <laughs> knowing something is different to knowing about something. And Paul's prayer is that we know God. It's a prayer for experience. It's a prayer for relationship. And then he goes on to say, I pray that your eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Now, there was a movement in European history called the Enlightenment. It's described as the Age of Reason, when people became very enlightened. And they thought, well, we don't need to be superstitious anymore. We don't need to sort of, you know, follow old traditions. We need to sort of be rational and reasonable. And I guess, of course, some of that is good, but also through enlightenment, people say, well, we don't really need God anymore. <laughs> We're in terribly enlightened. And we still live in the legacy of that here in the West, in Europe. Oh, we're so enlightened. <laughs> but a spiritual enlightenment, as, as Paul prays, leads us to know God better. And if your enlightenment is actually not leading you to know God any better, it's not enlightenment from God. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be 
enlightens. Why? How? Uh, what's the point of that? Well, three things. Uh, to know the hope which he has called you. We need hope. To know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And, and I want to focus on this, his incomparably great power for us who believe. His incomparable, incomparably great power. Now, if something's incomparable, you can't compare it to anything. It's like this. No, it's not, because you can't compare it. Oh, it's a bit like this. No, it's not, because you can't compare it. You know. Like nothing you've ever encountered before. His incomparably great power for us. For us. Who believe. He's making an assumption that they believe in God's power. That he's heard of their faith in the Lord Jesus, so he's assuming you, they, they believe in God's power. Now the word for can also be translated in us who believe. His incomparably great power in us who believe. His incomparably great power among us who believe. His incomparably great power towards us who believe. It's just one of those words. You can translate it lots of different ways. And translators have to pick one, so they pick four. <clears throat> and then Paul says, well, what is that power? What is that power? Well, I'm going to tell you. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Think about that for a minute. Jesus died. There was no question about that. Physically died. His heart stopped beating. And you know, death always has the laugh, last, the last laugh, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, I'm creaking here, walking around. Sorry. He's in the grave. He's taken there. He's wrapped in the grave clothes. Joseph of Arimathea bought the tomb. They saw him being laid there. The stone was rolled in front of the grave. The Roman soldiers guarded the grave. He was dead. And when you're dead, you're dead. So do you think that the power that raised Jesus from death was quite powerful. You don't get more powerful than defeating death. You don't get more powerful than defeating death. Paul says that same power is in you. But he doesn't stop there even. He exerted it in raising Christ from the dead, but it wasn't just that Jesus was risen from the dead and said, guys, I'm alive. He did do that. He appeared to his disciples, didn't he, for 40 days? But it didn't stop there. The power of God also raised Jesus to then be seated, to, to ascend to heaven. To be seated at the right hand of God and then all authority, rule, power, dominion, any kind of rule, 
He's way above that. That hot air balloon rising up way, way, way above the earth. It's not just like Jesus is at the top of the tree and a little bit further down is Putin and Joe Biden and Boris Johnson. Way above all power and authority is Jesus. And as we heard, every name, you can, you can come up with any name you like, not only now but in the future. And what did God do? He placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. And then, you see, so this is the incredible thing. It, 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 we're talking about the most powerful force in the universe. The, the, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And we're talking about the name of Jesus, and his is higher than, way, way, way higher than anybody else. And then, Paul says, but his plan is to fill the church. <laughs> the church is his body. And then at the last verse in this passage, it says, his body is the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now, there's different, just going to get a little bit boring for a minute, but there are different ways of translating that verse, different ways of understanding that verse, different ways of interpreting it. But I'm just going to go for the simple one, which is to say that Jesus fills the church. It's God's will for Jesus to fill the church. It's God's will for this church to be absolutely full of Jesus. It's God's will for us to be filled with Jesus. Filling Jesus, uh, filling the church, sorry, in every way. And so we sing, show your power, Lord. There have been times in church history where the church has forgotten stuff, right? Or they've lost stuff. You know, for many centuries, the ordinary man and woman, boy and girl in the pew, didn't forget maybe, but didn't, didn't have access to the Bible, really. Because the services were conducted in Latin, you couldn't even hear the scriptures read to you in your own language. You let alone read them for yourself because you was before the printing press yeah and so there were stained glass windows telling the stories and all the rest of it but actually you go to church and then the ser- you couldn't even understand the, the service in Latin we find that hard to get our heads around because we have such an incredible access to the Bible don't we well we've got the Reformation to thank for that um, Martin Luther and so on for centuries, the church kind of lost the Bible, right? Another thing that Martin Luther brought back to the church was the, the, the doctrine of justification by faith, so that you're not saved by paying money, you're not saved by uh, you know, paying your way into heaven, which is what they were teaching at the time. You're saved by faith. And now we take that for granted. Well, here's what I wonder. In fact, I don't just wonder. I, I think this is true. What have we lost now? Have we lost something of the sense of God's power among us? That God's intention is to fill his church with power. And that we are called to be a powerful people.
We can have lots of other things in church. If you go through all the list of things you know we should have in church, tick, 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 tick. But a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Often that's what's missing, actually. And God's intention is that we know his power. It's right there in the Bible. And as I've been reading this passage this week, I've been, oh my goodness. (laughs) I know I'm on solid ground here. Because this is what God wants. For you and I to know just how powerful he is. And not just at a distance, but that he's at work among us. So what does that all mean? What does it mean to know God's power? I, I'm, I'm just reading a book which I'm re-reading. Re, re I read it about 25 years ago when it came out. By a guy called Jack Deere. Uh, and it's called Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. Jack Deere was a pastor in the southern states of America. He was also a lecturer in a theological college. And he, uh, he, you know, he knew the Bible really well. And then one time he invited um, a British man called John White. He used to write books. I mean, he died now, but he would write books. He invited John White to come to his church um, to speak at a, 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 a Bible weekend. And John White said, yes, I'd like to come, and I'd like to talk about healing. Ooh, what? You want to talk about healing? Okay. And uh, John White comes up, le- gives four lectures. He says, I don't just want to talk about it. I want to pray for healing. What? You want to pray for healing? God doesn't do that anymore. And eventually, Jack Deere consulted with his board. and Okay, all right then. Well, come, you know, come on. And so he started praying for healing. Gave the lectures. No one even batted an eyelid. It was fine. Started praying for healing. And it was like a bottle of champagne was shaken and the cork was taken off. And suddenly, <laughs> And then this guy, Jack Deere, witnessed the power of God at work in his church. People coming at the front for prayer and weeping and crying. And and say, oh, I've never really felt like anyone loves me. And he's like, well, I'm your pastor. I've been here for years and you you never told me that. And, and, you know, people getting healed and and, uh, someone who'd been receiving counseling for years. uh, And and then she manifested an evil spirit and then... John White prays for her, and boom, she's absolutely fine. Years and years of counselling, and it had never dealt with what was really going on in her heart. The demonstration of the Spirit's power. And suddenly this started Jack Deere on a, a journey. Now, 25 years later, he's rewritten his book, and he's called it, Why I Am Still Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. God is a God of power. Now, please hear me. This is... God we're talking about. God, does, God gives us gifts to use for his glory, but he doesn't give us his power to use as we will. Yeah? It's not like, oh, great, I've got power. I'm going to... It doesn't work like that. See, if we look at the life of Jesus, his life was a life surrendered to the Father. He could only do what he saw the Father doing. He was... His life was one completely dependent upon the power of the Spirit. In Luke's Gospel, we're told, you know, Jesus was there and the power of the Lord was with him for him to heal the sick and so on. Jesus lived a life that was totally dependent. If we want to see the power of God, actually, we have to be dependent. We have to be like little children. It's not about me being powerful. 
It's about me saying, God, you're in control. I surrender to you. Your will, not my will. I just want to be obedient to what Father is doing, just like Jesus is. We sing a chorus. It's great to sing a couple of old, uh, older choruses, Kenrick. Thank you for those brilliant, brilliant songs. But another one that we sometimes sing, which has been around for a few years, is this one. Be still for the presence of the Lord. Do you know that one? But I think it's the third verse or something. It says, be still for the power of the Lord is moving in this place. Now notice that. It says, be still. Worldly power, often it's very loud and noisy and all the rest of it, but the power of the Lord, if we're not still, sometimes we can miss it. I know that sounds weird, but sometimes it's subtle. Be still, for the power of the Lord is moving in this place. I want to be attentive to the power of the Lord. I've been in plenty of services where they've been very powerful or loud or whatever it is. But what, Lord, what are you doing? That's what I'm really interested in. Be still for the power of the Lord is moving in this place. How does it go on? He comes to cleanse and heal and minister his grace. So what does Jesus come to do? He comes to cleanse. You could be walking around for years with something you still feel bad about and in a moment through the power of the Lord you just know that you are cleansed. That's what the cross is about. Jesus died so that you might be cleansed of all your dirtiness, all your unrighteousness. Heal. It could be healing, physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing, things that you didn't even know you needed healing from, things that you just got used to carrying through your life and the power of the Lord brings healing often in an instant and to minister his grace we don't achieve the power of the Lord through hard work we receive the power of the Lord by accepting his grace because it's all of grace it's all by what Jesus has done dying on the cross now how does it go on be still, for the power of the Lord is moving in this place. He comes to cleanse and heal and minister His grace. No work too hard for Him. That's cheating. <laughs> right. All right then. <coughs> no work too hard for Him. Now, if that prayer of Paul in this passage is you know, in line with the will of God, that means that God's will for us is to know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That is God's will for us. And then that surely means, because remember, this is the power of God, no work is too hard for him. Think of something. Do you know, often 
we spend a long time talking about our problems. Oh yeah, but this is my problem. Okay. Oh yeah, but you don't know the half of it. There's this and 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 this. Okay. No work's too hard for him. Do you think you're the special case? No work is too hard for him. In faith, receive from him. Receive. Sorry, we're not singing this. You haven't planned to sing this one, have you? That's all right. Because, you know, I've sung this many times in many different churches, and I've thought, do we really believe this? Do we really believe this? Be still, for the power of the Lord is moving in this place. Now, we don't need to conjure anything up. We don't need to cajole God. He's way more persuaded than we are. But we need to be those who in faith receive from him. So in this moment, we just invite the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. And we just be still. just want to be still before you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. take that image of the champagne bottle you take the cork off and the, the, the energy the fizz comes out and Paul says don't get drunk on wine or champagne or Prosecco or whatever <laughs> but get drunk on the Holy Spirit be filled with the Holy Spirit so we just pray for a release an unlocking in your presence this morning, Lord. We pray for things that maybe have held us. We say no to them. They've told us they're powerful and we reject that as a lie of the enemy. And we acknowledge the incomparably great power made manifest through your Spirit among us. And we declare that it is your will for Jesus to fill his church. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you, Jesus. No work too hard for him in faith receive from him be still for the power of the Lord is moving in this place he's releasing you from fear now remember his perfect love surrounds you 
God's will is. You know the hope to which he's called you. His hope holding you. God loves his church. Wants to fill this church with Jesus. God is filling his church with Jesus. You think, surely not me. It'd be better if I wasn't here, surely. No, it wouldn't. That's a lie too. Because you're right here. You're in the right place. You're part of this family too. This is who you are. You are powerful. So why don't we worship? Let's take some time to worship. Invite the band to come. And uh, just come as you are. Jesus is calling.